Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. Hey, so last weekend was baptism weekend. And did you guys know that we had 44 people get baptized? So amazing. Praise God for that. It's so exciting. So if you know me at all, you know that my family really loves to be in the woods. In fact, we probably spend between 75 and 100 days a year in the woods in some way, shape, or form. But what you might not know is that I grew up in the suburbs of Houston. Yeah. So this whole outdoor life, it doesn't really come naturally to me. And it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that my, uh, my sense of direction is, well, lacking. In fact, I've learned <clears throat> that I can go in the woods, I can be alone for about five, maybe seven minutes without seeing or hearing from my husband before I start to get worried. And since we shed hunt a lot in the spring, that means we split up a lot. And so my anxiety is pretty high. And it's so hard because like, this is part of our family culture, right? And I want to say that I'm this outdoors woman and that I have faith in our GPS maps and all of the things that we use our radios to keep in communication with each other. But still, when it comes down to it and I'm alone, I get terrified. And all I can think about are all the animals that want to eat me. It's like there's no flesh to my faith. Right? It's like it's just bones. Like I've got these words, oh yeah, I can do this. But I don't necessarily have the action to back it up. And that's a lot like what we've been talking about in James this month. So James has spent his entire letter telling the church in Jerusalem that it isn't just enough to say that they have faith. They have to put action with it as well. See, we have to take the bones of faith and add flesh to it by what we do. So you can turn to James 5 in your Bible, and that's where we're going to be spending most of our time today. And the first point that James makes in chapter 5 is that we put action to our faith when we trust his timing. Verses 7 and 8 of chapter 5 say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts. See, God already knows that his timing is perfect. But do we? And I love that here that James uses an analogy to to farming because we're kind of little homesteaders and we actually raise our own chickens. 
And the thing that we love the very most about raising our own chickens is that we have a rooster and we have hens and therefore we get to have our own chicks hatch. And it is like magical. I mean, my kids, they count down the days, they mark it on a calendar. They wanna know exactly when those chicks are gonna hatch and then they check all the time to see if one is hatching or not. Something that we learn the hard way in going through that process is that we can't interfere with those chicks hatching. Not even the tiniest bit. We can't even help with that one little piece of shell. That chick has to hatch on its own or it won't survive. Sometimes they hatch in an hour. Sometimes the chick will take a whole day to hatch, sometimes two. Sometimes they don't hatch at all. But we've learned that we have to be patient in the process to produce the God-designed result. Because you see, that chick, it actually gains the strength that it needs as it's hatching to be able to grow into a full-grown chicken and do what God designed it to do. And it's the same for us. We gain the strength that we need that's necessary as we go through the process, through the waiting. In that is how we become who it is that God is calling us to be. So whatever it is that we're waiting for, we have to trust his timing. But how many of us do this? Like, I know I am so guilty of getting in the way and of trying to make it on my own time and on my own terms. I manipulate and I control and I try to force God's hand because it's so hard to be patient, right? We do it with our spouses. We do it with our kids. We do it with our circumstances. We even dare to give God ultimatums and think that by some reason, that's gonna change what his plan is. Like we're gonna tell him how to do it. Guys, that is faith without action. There's no flesh to those bones. Now, I want you to notice that I did not say that we had to understand his timing, right? Because you see, trust, it moves beyond understanding. Trust acknowledges that God is God and we are not. God knows more than we do because our frame is so limited, right? What we can see is so limited and he sees the big picture. Maybe what we're waiting for hasn't happened because we're not ready for it yet. Maybe if God unleashed all that we actually wanted on us, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Maybe there's actually something between us and God that's in the way and blocking us being able to receive all that he has for us. And we need to take some time and we need to deal with that, whatever it is. But no matter what the reason is, we have to have patience in the process to produce the God-designed result. That is when our faith moves to action. It's when our trust surpasses our understanding. Now, I understand that this can be really, really difficult, especially if we're not convinced of his goodness. 
And that's actually the next place that James goes in his letter, in our next point. We put action to our faith when we're convinced of his character. So verses 10 through 11 of chapter five says, say, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, you guys are probably familiar with the story of Job. What if Job had done things differently? What if he had taken matters into his own hands and tried to control and hold close everything that he had? Wouldn't it have been such a different story then? But that's not what he did. Instead, he surrendered everything he had and trusted God with the outcome. And he lost everything, his family, all of his possessions. But he trusted God in the process. And because of that, the Bible says that the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. See, God didn't just have good planned for Job. He actually took what the enemy inflicted and turned it for abundance for Job. So a couple of weeks ago, my husband and my son Deacon, who's eight, went out scouting. And they got home right about bedtime. And I was asking Deacon how it was. And he said, oh, it was so fun, Mom. We found an antler. And then he kind of like got this weird look on his face. And he said, and I got lost. Now, remember, we spend a lot of time in the woods and our kids are pretty familiar with what to do in this situation. But still, my mama bear response was, what? And he said, yeah, dad sent me, we found this antler, we spotted it up with our binoculars and dad sent me down to get it. And I couldn't find a way off this rock ledge. And so dad must have gone another way down and he was going to meet me. But then I realized I didn't know where dad was. And then I think because he saw the absolute look of horror on my face, he said, but don't worry, mom. I wasn't scared. I called and dad heard me. I couldn't see him, but he could see me. Now, I'm not gonna lie. At this point in time, my anxiety was so high that I just went to bed and I did not want to have the conversation or talk about it or think about it. But I woke up the next morning and I just felt this stirring like God had something more for me in it. So I was processing it. And I was asking God, why? Why is my eight-year-old not afraid when I literally, within 30 seconds of being alone, I'm scared? And he said, Sarah, Deacon knows who his daddy is. Oh my goodness. He knows who his daddy is. I felt like I'd been kicked in the gut. 
You know who else knew who their daddy was? Job. And James is saying that that God, that Job's God is the same God that we follow. And if we can trust his character, trust that he is compassionate and merciful, he has abundance in store for us. Now, as I was growing up, I would not say that my picture of God was compassionate and merciful. No, partially because of my personality and partially because of the way that I was raised, I really thought that what God wanted more than anything else from me was to obey and be perfect. Can anybody else relate to that? Yeah. I thought that I had to follow all of the rules and do all the right things and check off all the boxes and get all of the gold stars in order to earn his love. Compassionate and merciful is not at the top of my list. And it wasn't actually until I became an adult and had kids of my own that God started to transform the way that I thought about him and who he was. And funny enough, the way that he did that, for me, the biggest way that he did that was through this little Bible right here, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now you can see that our copy of it is very, very well loved. So one day, I was in the kitchen doing the dishes, and my kids were actually listening to the audiobook version of the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I walked into the living room as this story was playing, and I was just suddenly overcome because Jesus was speaking truth directly to me through that story about who he is. And I want to share that story with you today, but since, uh, since the audio version is read by somebody with this like, incredible British accent, I want them to read it to you instead of me, because I can't do it justice. So we'll just go ahead and play that. One day, Jesus taught people how to pray. He said, when you pray, don't pray like those extra super holy people. They think if they say lots of words, God will hear them. But it's not because you're so clever or good or so important that God will listen to you. God listens to you because he loves you. Did you know that God is always listening to you? Did you know that God can hear the quietest whisper deep inside your heart, even before you've started to say it? Because God knows exactly what you need even before you ask him, Jesus told them. You see, God just can't wait to give you all that you need. So you don't need to use long words or special words. You don't have to use a special voice. You just have to talk. So when you pray, pray in your normal voice. Just like when you're talking to someone you love very much. Like this. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything in the world right again, and in our hearts too. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please, do it down here too. Please give us everything we need today, and forgive us for doing wrong, for hurting you. Forgive us just as we forgive other people when they hurt us. Rescue us, we need you. We don't want to keep running away and hiding from you, Keep us safe from our enemies. You're strong, God. You can do whatever you want. You are in charge. Now and forever and for always. 
We think you're great. Amen. Yes, we do. You see, Jesus was showing people that God would always love them with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So they didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or ashamed. They could stop running away from God. They could run to him instead, as a little child runs into her daddy's arms. Isn't that beautiful? As a little child runs into their daddy's arms. I love that story because it speaks of God's character and love for us as a dad. See, we don't have to be perfect to come to him. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have the right words. It's not because we're so clever or so good or important. God loves us just because we're his. And that love, it doesn't go away. It doesn't stop. It doesn't have a list of prerequisites. He just wants us to come to him like a child runs to their dad. The other reason that I love that story is because it's all about how to pray. And that's the next part of James's letter. The next point is that we put action to our faith when we pray with a posture of confidence. Verses 13 through 15 of James 5. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. James is telling the church to pray with confidence. It is definitely not like how my kids come to me when they would like more sugar or more screen time. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, Jesus, could you please? If it's not too much of an inconvenience, would you mind? I did all my chores. Please, would you do this for me? No. It's time that we stop coming to God like kids, like orphans, begging for scraps from God's table. It's time to come to him like a dad. And what dad is going to give their kid, as the Bible says, stones instead of bread? I love that when Jesus is asked about how to pray in Matthew, this is what he says. He says to start off like this in Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. See, the first thing that Jesus says to do is to acknowledge God's character, right? He's holy. He's trustworthy. And we need to honor him. He's our dad, just like the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. 
And then he says in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this speaks a lot to God's timing and trusting his timing. But the point that I wanna make right now is that prayer is about declaring the goodness of God and inviting it into our lives on earth. See, we don't have to wait for heaven to have access to his goodness. We can call it into existence right now. When we trust God's timing and when we are convinced of his character, then we can pray with a posture of confidence because our faith is no longer reliant on the outcome of that prayer. We trust that whatever the outcome is, God will work all things together for the good of those who love him. I was reading in this devotional by Rebecca Lyons this week, and I wanted to share a little part of it with you about prayer. She says, I don't know why God answers some prayers immediately and not others. It's a mystery. What I do know with full assurance is this. God has given us the freedom to ask him for anything. Anything. Perhaps in God's economy, what's most important is that we have the freedom and faith to ask. So I want to share a personal story with you guys. When my husband and I met, Justin was quite the mountain man. And needless to say, he was a little bit rough around the edges. But he was so full of adventure and, and passion and just a love for so many things that I didn't know about. That that was what attracted me to him. But as we were married longer, that roughness started to feel more like a hardness. And I remember a few years into our marriage, God gave me a verse for him. It was Philippians 1.6. And it says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. I didn't know exactly what that meant at that point in time. But God was telling me that he had a plan for Justin's life to use him in incredible ways. Now that was almost 10 years ago. And over the last decade, I've prayed and prayed for my husband. And little by little, God has shown his faithfulness as that hardness started to soften. And in the meantime, as I waited I leaned into what God was doing in my own life and was able to see all and how he was transforming me in that process. We've had some really, really hard seasons. But I kept praying, confident that God would be faithful to the promise that he made to me. I did not do it well all the time. I would lose faith and I would try to control and manipulate and be the Holy Spirit for Justin. And God would gently remind me and redirect me, help me be patient and trust his timing and remind me of his goodness. Like this, 
About five years ago, I was at a, um, a women's conference in a pretty urban area. And one of the, they had, you know, different vendors there. And one of the vendors was a prophetic necklace company or jewelry company. And so basically what that meant was that uh, you would go up to them and they would pray and then they would pick out a piece of jewelry for you. And it had all, the, they had all these different charms that were on them. And so that would help. Or then they would just ask Jesus what, what he had to say to you. And so we were in the middle of worship at one point in time, and I felt like I was supposed to go and purchase one of these necklaces. So I walk up to the vendor, and she hands me this necklace. Now, this lady doesn't know me from Adam. She definitely has no idea where I'm from or anything about me. But she hands me a necklace, and the first charm that I notice on it is an antler. Right? And my jaw just dropped. And she said, she said, usually this antler would signify that you're fighting for something. She said, but that's not what I'm getting right now. What, what Jesus wants you to know is that he's fighting for you. And I knew in that moment, I knew that it wasn't just me that he was fighting for. It was my marriage that he was fighting for. It was my husband that he was fighting for and me as well. What an amazing reminder that I've carried the last five years with me. Because see, sometimes it was in tears that I would pray. Sometimes it was with all the authority that I could muster. Sometimes I was at the end of my rope. But I kept praying for Justin. And I'm here to say that God's promise was worth the wait. My husband has always been a really loyal and loving husband and father. But the transformation that I've watched deep in his heart as he's chosen to follow Jesus and surrender more to Jesus, it is so much more than I could have ever, ever asked for or imagine. Watching him trust God's purpose and plan in his life and leaning into his voice, it's so beautiful. See guys, God was using and is using all of that roughness for his glory. And I'm so proud to be Justin's wife. Now, I understand if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, that sounds great, Sarah, but I don't have a fancy necklace to remind me of God's promise. In fact, I don't think I trust his timing at all. And I'm not convinced of his character. What do you mean God is good? I hear you and I see you. God hears you and he sees you. So I want to give you a couple of easy things that you can do to grow in your trust of his timing and be more convinced of his character. I want you to spend time every day in God's word. Now you're going to hear every single pastor here say that to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be in the word every day. 
But I love what Carl said a couple weeks ago. He said, I'm not just spending time in God's word every day. I'm actually meditating on it. And the reason that I think that that's so cool is that it's really easy to just spend time in God's word every day and think that we're just accumulating information. Like that Bible knowledge is the end all be all goal of reading God's word. But you know, I know some people in the Bible who were really good at knowing all of the information and who knew God's word frontwards and backwards. Do you know who they were? The Pharisees. And Jesus didn't like them very much, right? The goal of being in the word every day is not, it's not just to accumulate information. It's to actually let it soak in, to let it grow as flesh on the bones of our faith. See, we have to take what we're reading and we have to put action to it. We have to do something. So the place I want you to start if you're new to reading your Bible is either the Gospels or the Psalms. Those are both really fantastic places to read about God's character and his goodness. If the Bible itself feels intimidating to you, I can see that, I've been there. I want you to get on Amazon and order one of these. I don't care how old you are. I get more out of this than my kids do most of the time, okay? Read the Jesus Storybook Bible, start small. Or if you're not a reader, listen to the audio version of it. You heard it, it's so good. I put together some verses too to help you. And they're all listed in your bulletin, so don't feel like you have to write them all down. And we're gonna go over a few of those, but what I want you to do is I want you to choose one of these verses this week. And I want you to start out every day saying it out loud. Write it on your bathroom mirror, Put it on your phone's lock screen so that every time you grab your phone, you see it. Do something active with what you're reading to make it flesh. So our first verse is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Or Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Psalm 27, 13 through 14, I love this one. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I want you to take some time this week and take an inventory of what God has already done in your life. Write it down. And when you're having a hard time trusting, pull that list out and read it and remember what he's done. If that list feels almost impossible to make right now, and I've had times in my life where it would have been hard to do that, start small. Start with communion. Remember what Jesus did on the cross. What better place is there to start? 
we're gonna have a little bit of ministry time today. And so we're gonna ask Jesus a couple questions, but before we do that, I just wanna pray for you guys. Father, I thank you so much for each and every person here and watching online. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us in these next few minutes. Pray that you would give us words, show us your truth. Lord, help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want you to do right now is just take a moment by yourself and I want you to ask Jesus, Jesus, what is one area of my life I need to trust your timing? Jesus, Jesus, what lie am I believing about your character? Will you show me the truth? Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.